Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Good to see everybody today. Uh, Stephanie just told me that we were we had 200 turkeys to give away for the entire you know like the day like we only have 13 left. You guys are killer. Come on, somebody. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna just you know shame on the second service. Like you should have got up earlier and got here. How many of y'all forgot to set your clock back? I guess you don't even really do that anymore, do you? Is it fall behind? Because, I mean, it does automatically. Our phones do it. It's not even a chore anymore to do that. But how many of y'all enjoyed an extra hour of rest? Come on, Jesus. Come on, we know God's involved in the fall back. Would you just keep falling back until the sun goes down at like 2 o'clock? Anyway, hey, I want to welcome all of our uh, first time, uh, all of our people online. We got Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas. Come on, let's give it up for all of our online streamers. Thank you guys for joining us. My name is Troy Maxwell. Uh, My wife and I are the senior pastors here, but I want to give it up for your campus pastors, Pastor Stephanie, Pastor Aaron. Stand up, guys. If you want to meet some great people and uh, take them out to lunch or something like that, they're really nice people, I promise you. They're not mean or anything like that. We wouldn't have mean people on our staff, so... Um, Today is the beginning of a series called The Almighty Dollar. Now, we have locked the doors. Uh, We have chained the doors. We are talking about money today, but you can't leave. You can't leave. You can't walk out. Um, Because I know when you talk about money in church, a lot of people get a little nervous about it. Because maybe they've had a bad experience. Maybe they went through something very difficult. Um, Let me ask you this. What What if your entire life you lived in poverty and you were about to die... And someone came and told you that your great-grandparents 40 years ago had put aside millions of dollars that you didn't know about. That'd be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? You were about to die. You couldn't spend it. You missed out on inheritance because it wasn't yours, but because, not because it wasn't yours, but because you didn't know about it. What we want to do over the next four weeks is we want to talk about something that may you, you may not know about. 
And that's your involvement in God's economy. Because there is an inheritance, a financial inheritance that we really want you to be a part of. I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter four. And this is my reason as your pastor to talk about this. And that's why our teaching team at all of our campuses is talking about this. And I think this verse sums it up because this is what Paul told the Philippian church. He says, he says I mentioned this not because I'm requesting a gift. Okay, I wanna make it very clear um, that, that we are not doing this because the church needs money. We trust in God, not you. I just want to make that really clear. We've always been that way. The way we framed our church is about anywhere between 10 and 20% of everything that comes in goes right back out. And so we give a lot of money away. And I've learned in in the 30 years that I've been a Christian is that my source is never people. And that's a tough thing to do as a pastor because, you know, a lot of things that happen around here is is based on giving. But I know that God will always take care of us as we honor him. So Paul understood this and he says, listen, I'm talking to you about this, not because I'm requesting a gift, but listen to what he says. But so that the fruit of your generosity may bring you an abundant reward. God wants to bless you. Point at your neighbor, say, God wants to bless you. Point at the person beside you, say, God wants to bless me, leave me alone. All right. Verse 18, I now have all I need, more than enough. I'm abundantly satisfied. For I received the gift you sent by Epaphroditus and viewed it as a sweet sacrifice, perfumed with the fragrance of your faithfulness, which is so pleasing to God. I am convinced, and this is, this is the word of the Lord for you. This is what I'm speaking over you today. I am convinced that my God will fully satisfy every need that you have. I'm convinced, I'm convinced. Let me say it again. I am convinced that my God will will fully satisfy every need that you have. For I've seen, I've seen it. I've seen it over and over. This is what Paul says. I've seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me through the anointed one, Jesus Christ. The goal of this series is for you to step into the blessing of God. The goal of this series is we want you and your family to live in blessing. But let me just say something. Blessing has boundaries. There are some boundaries. Blessing involves obedience. I've been a Christian now. This is my 31st year of being saved. I got saved in 1990. And uh, I grew up PO, P-O, couldn't afford the O-R. Okay, we were, I've said that before. But it's true. I mean, I grew up eating. How many of y'all remember hungry man dinners? Come on. If you're over 40, this was pre-microwave. Okay, you didn't have a microwave back then. This was in the, in the 70s. And in order to cook a hungry man, you had to put it in the oven. Um, you, you had to leave it covered. It was not no plastic. These were all metal trays. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're in your 20s, a hungry man was basically a meal that you purchased in the freezer section at your local grocery store. And my mom had a stack of them, Salisbury steak, fried chicken with crumble apple pie. Come on, somebody. Mashed potatoes. Those were the two staples of any young person's life right there, Salisbury steak and fried chicken. And so you put it in the oven, you set the temperature at 375 degrees, and you waited for 25 minutes. Then you peeled back the crumble. 
because you wanted to get a nice crisp top on top of that dessert. If you didn't peel it back, it was soggy. It wasn't even worth eating. That was my life. That was my world. My mom worked nights. So anyway, my mom didn't have a car till she was 40 years old. So we had to hitchhike everywhere we go. If you don't know what hitchhiking is, because I, I know I have to explain all of these things to the young people. Hitchhiking is when you sit on the side of the road. For some reason, you stick your thumb out. People pick you up, and they take you wherever they're going. They're not going where you want to go. You're just on the way to where they're going. And you jump out of the car at some point during the trip. Sometimes people are nice. Sometimes people are mean during the whole process. My mom and I used to, if we went anywhere, we had to hitchhike. It was a hitchhiking phenomenon. We wanted to go to the movies. We'd sit out on this corner and we'd hitchhike to this street, hitchhike to the next street, hitchhike. Thank goodness my mom was very attractive. And so a lot of guys would pick her up and she would hide me underneath her coat because nobody wanted to pick an attractive woman with a kid. And so she would hide me under the coat. She would stick her thumb out. God would stop, and then she would unveil me, and they had to take us. <laughs> True story. Not even preaching right now, telling the truth. <laughs> Some of you will get that later. All right. So I grew up very poor. So when I, um, as time went on, I realized that I needed money to live, and so I developed this philosophy that I wanted to be a millionaire by the time I was 30 years old. So that's why I went to college. That's why I did everything that I did. That's why I saved money. Because you always go from one extreme to the other. You know, when you're experienced to the extreme of poverty, you want the exact opposite. No matter what it will cost you, what it will do to you. Now, what happened is when I got saved, God had to deal with that in my life because my idol was money. All, my whole life was, was surrounded about money. Everything I thought about was money. Every job, every relationship was about money for me. So God immediately, when I started reading the Bible, he immediately dealt with me about money and really taught me some things about financial stewardship in the kingdom of God. Why? Because how we handle money is the single greatest indicator of our relationship with God. Or else Jesus wouldn't have talked about it so much. He talked about it all the time. He talked about it more than faith. He talked about it more than hell. He talked about it more than heaven. He talked about it more than healing. He talked about money. 11 of the 40 parables that Jesus shared was about finances. That's over a third of everything that he shared was about money. He talked about money all the time. Why? Because how we handle money is the single greatest indicator of our relationship with God. How you handle money is the single greatest indicator of your relationship with God. Now, it may shock you, but that is true. Look at, let me look at your checkbook. I can tell you what your relationship with God is like. Now, I'm not gonna do that today. We're not gonna have any leaders out in the back, you know, as you're leaving. Uh, many of you don't even have a checkbook. Well, but, you know, Matthew 6. Let's just get in the Bible here. Matthew 6, I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture today. Matthew 6, verse 19, is, this is what Jesus said. This is all Jesus' words. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. This is a bonus scripture. This isn't on the screen. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. He also said this in Matthew 6, just a few verses later. He said, no one can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And what was he talking about? You cannot serve God and mammon or money. You can't do it. You, can't, you have to pick one. 
And my prayer is that over these next few weeks, you'll pick one. Mark chapter 10, verse 23, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Jesus knows this. He understands that the greatest indicator, I'm gonna say this over and over again, the greatest indicator of your relationship with God is how you handle money. So I'm gonna get right to the heart of the issue today. I'm gonna talk very simply and very foundationally about the tithe. That's all I'm gonna talk about is I'm gonna talk about the tithe. The tithe is probably one of the most challenged things in Christianity when it comes to money. People challenge it. They, they always, it's amazing how just 10% can cause so many problems in people's lives. Just 10%. You right? And honestly, it's one of the easiest things to do as a Christian. I mean, think about it. I mean, it's simple. You just take 10% of whatever you earn, your increase, and you bring it to God. It's simple. It's, very, it's, it's actually, in my opinion, one of the most basic levels of Christianity. Because if I said, now, hey, you need to love your neighbor, all of us have a different idea of what it means to love our neighbor, especially right now, what's going on, right? Because all of you have a different idea of what love is. But when I say take 10% of something, there's no, you can't change the math. Like 10% is 10%, regardless. Isn't it funny that the first worship service after the garden, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, the first worship service was a financial deal. Cain and Abel, and you know what it ended up in? Murder. Hello. Cain brought an offering. Abel brought the firstborn. They got in an argument with God. God said, you can fix it. Cain said, I don't, and he kills his brother. Not good. A quarter of the planet was destroyed after a worship service. So what's the tithe? By the way, the tithe is really not about money. The tithe is a trust test. It's a trust test. It's not a money test. Because God's got plenty of money, by the way. Anybody that paves their streets with gold has plenty of money. Anybody that makes gates of pearl have plenty of money. It's not a money issue. God doesn't need your money. It's not about money. God wants your heart. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. So let's look at this. I've got $200 here. I've got 10 $20 bills. 10 $20 bills. Let me ask you, if you were to look at this, what is the tithe? And there's no confusion, right? Just $20, right? Which $20? The first one, right. The first one what? The first one over here or the first one over here? It's the first one you spend. Now, why is that important? Because it is a trust test. See, the tithe has to do with your trust. And we're going to get into this, but I just want to make this very foundational. It's the first that you spend because it doesn't take any trust to give God the last. It requires trust to give God the first. And there's reasons behind that. God is very plain when it comes to our tithing and why he wants us to give him and to trust him with the first. So let's talk about two things and then I'm gonna share three things about our heart, okay? The first is that I wanna talk about the tithe and two kings. Now, this is involving the first mention of the tithe. There's a law or a, um, a way to study things in the Bible. And the way to study them, if you ever want to learn about something, look at the first time it was ever talked about. The first mention 
of the tithe. Now, let me just say this really quickly, that the, the principle of the first begins in the book of Genesis. And really, you can see a tithe or a bringing to God your first and your best all the way through the scriptures. But the first mention of the tithe is in Genesis chapter 14. It involves a man by the name of Abram. You may know him as Abraham. His name later turned into Abraham. He was married to a woman by the name of Sarah. You probably know the story of his son, Isaac. You know, um, they, they, they had a child. They wanted to have a child. They ended up having a child. And God asked him to give his son away, kill his son. Obviously, he didn't kill him. He provided for him, which is, again, an issue of sacrifice, an issue of offering. And in Genesis chapter 14, is a very interesting story. These kings, these five different kings, are in a war with another king. They're in a battle because they've been over-dominated, oppressed by this kingdom. And so they fight against this other kingdom. In the midst of the battle, they lose. These five kings lose. And as a result of that, Abram's nephew, Lot, is captured in the midst of the battle. And what's really cool is Abram decides with just his servants. These guys aren't warriors. These aren't Navy SEALs. These guys aren't uh, Green Berets. They, They aren't even trained in war. He takes, the Bible says, 318 of his servants attacks for the purpose of rescuing Lot. And he does it. Like he actually rescues him. He gives them weapons, they go in, they whoop up on the king, and they take everything away from the spoils of that king. Now, something interesting happens. And you may have never seen this before. In in Genesis 14, verse 17, it says this, and the king of Sodom, which was one of the ones that were oppressed, went out to meet him, talking about Abram. Verse 18, then Melchizedek, this is an interesting character in the Bible, King of Salem or King of Peace. The name Melchizedek means King of Righteousness. So what we see is we see a ruler of righteousness and a ruler of peace meets with Abram. Nobody knows where he came from. Nobody knows where he came. They don't, they've never seen him before. He just shows up. Okay, this, this is basically pre-incarnate Jesus shows up. Very important. And he brought out bread and wine. We sang about it today. He brought out bread and wine. Why? Because he was going to develop a covenant with Abram, a symbolic covenant. He was the priest of the Most High God. And he, Melchizedek, blessed Abram and said, blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And he blessed, and and blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then you know what Abram did? The Bible says he gave him a tithe of all. First mention of the word tithe. He gave him a tenth. He had $200. He had way more than that, but let's just use the example here. And he gave him a tithe. He gave him the first 10% of all the spoils. Now, what was really interesting about this is I read the first thing that I said in verse 17 is not only did he meet this king of righteousness and peace, but also the king of Sodom came out to meet him. And the king of Sodom didn't bring him bread and wine. He actually gave Abram a choice. He said, hey, you give me all the people, you keep all the stuff. And so here's what I want you to understand. Because as people of God, this is the wrestling match that you will always have. There will always be a choice with what you do with your finances. 
You can either give it to the kingdom of Sodom, the kingdom of this world, or you can honor God with it. And that will always be your choice. There will always be two kings that are searching for your heart. And the tithe brings the right king into his rightful place. Now, the reason this is important is because Melchizedek was a representation of God's economy. Now, this is, follow me here, this was pre-law. This was pre-Moses. This, matter of fact, this was 450 years before the Ten Commandments. Now, why is this important? Because Abram did not do it because he was obligated to do it. He did it because of faith. Why do we know that? What's Abraham called? He is the father of? So can you see that in this particular story, that what we're seeing is that when we have faith, we tithe. That is the first step to giving God our hearts, to allowing the Lord into our lives. Abraham could have done anything to show honor to Melchizedek, anything. He could have, he could have knelt down and worshipped him. He could, have, he could have clapped. He could have, he, could have, he could have done anything, couldn't he? Why did he tithe? Because God wanted us to understand this principle of the first 10% is extremely important to our life of faith. It's a test of your trust. Why? How we handle money is the single greatest indicator of your relationship with God. How you handle it. How you handle it. Not how your family handled it, how you handle it. Secondly, the tithe passes through the cross. The cross. It's a cross-covenantal promise. Many things are cross-covenantal. The tithe is, is, is the most challenged. This is probably the most challenged thing. And here's what I don't understand. This really messes me up. Oh, this messes me up. Oh, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. As a pastor, I hate this argument. I hate it. Not because, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a generous person. Why would I want to argue about being generous? I don't understand it. Did you know the Israelites gave over 23%? That was their, that was their role. And we want to argue about 10. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm not, try, I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just trying to get you to think. And, and to, to understand that God wants you blessed. He wants you blessed. He wants you blessed. He wants you to live in the inheritance. Listen, he's telling you right now, and you got a lot of life ahead of you, that you have an inheritance that you can get involved with right now. Oh, it just, it bothers me. Now, I'm going to read an Old Testament scripture here. Okay, I'm going to read Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. And I'm going to tell you right now, most pastors so wish that this verse was just a few, just like 10 verses later. I wish it would have made it into the New Testament Gosh, I wish it would have. Lord, if you ever do a rewrite. Because <laughs> it would save so much arguing about this and dealing with this. Because most people, they, they're frustrated about it. And so they, they look at the tithe and they go, well, it's not a New Testament. By the way, it is. It's all through the New Testament. 
So here's what the Bible says in Malachi chapter three. By the way, um, the great Italian prophet Malachi, if you want to call him that, <laughs> he, he, he dealt with Israel on their faithfulness. Why? Because God is faithful to the faithful. He's faithful to the faithful. Now, here, here's, here's what I want you to hear, okay? Because I'm, I'm, I'm saying that to people who have a relationship with God. God is faithful even if you aren't faithful. But when you step into the kingdom of God, he wants your faithfulness to bring him along in your journey. And one of those areas is regarding the tithe. And it is a cross-covenantal promise. It, it cro- There's a lot of things that cross over the covenant. For example, don't kill people. Honor your father and mother. Okay? Don't lie. We don't argue with God about that stuff. Why do we argue so much about money? Because it's our heart. It's the greatest single indicator of our relationship with God. Now, I know you're thinking, no, money just affects my mortgage. No, it messes with your heart a little bit. Because you made it. And you're thinking, we think, well, I did it. I earned that money. I worked hard 60 hours a week. I did it. It's my money. God shouldn't be asking my money. He's got streets of gold up there. Just let him chip off a piece and let him spend that. (laughs) It's mine. Are you following me? (laughs) So, all right. So let's, let's let's talk about this a little bit. Let's look at this. Bring all, this is Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. These were the last words of God before 450 years of silence. Nothing was said until Jesus shows up. This was to a post-exilic Israel. These folks were out of exile and God was dealing with them about really three major issues, worship, marriage, and money. Now, would you agree that probably in our United States, in our world right now, those are probably three big issues that we need to deal with too. And so these words that God is saying about these issues are just as important as they were some 2,500 years ago as they are right now in dealing with our marriage, in dealing with our worship, and in dealing with our money. So he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Why? That there may be food in my house. Where are we to tithe? to the place where you're being fed. That's where you tithe. Well, does that mean I, can, I can't give my tithe to a, some, some poor guy living on the side of the road? You can't give your tithe. You can give your offering. Your tithe is meant to go to the storehouse, which is God's house. That's why Abram gave his tithe to Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. The church is a representation of the hands and feet of Jesus. That's why we bring our tithe here. Offerings, totally discretionary. You can do whatever you want to with them. Now, we're challenging you to be a kingdom builder. If you've been tithing for a long time, guess what? Maybe today's the day you become a kingdom builder to invest in the vision. We have a big vision. But guess who determines the pace of that vision? You do. We've got about maybe $12 million of debt. And you know what? That debt is paid off. It's paid off. So you know where all the money is? Your pockets. I'm just being honest. I ain't got $12 million. But we do. 
And can I just tell you this? If we all tithed, we wouldn't even have $12 million of debt. It's, we, we wouldn't have any issues like that. We wouldn't even have kingdom builders. Need kingdom builders if everybody tithed. It's amazing if you think about it. So question, is tithing New Testament? Absolutely. Jesus talked about tithing. And Jesus corrected Old Testament issues. But he never corrected the issue of the tithe. Remember, remember Matthew chapter 5? He said, and it was said of old, you shall not murder I tell you, if you just even say to your brother, Raka, which basically means in Jewish, you're a jerk, then, then you, are, you are not fulfilling God's plan. He said, he talked about a lot of different things. Jesus never corrected the tithe. Why? Because it's cross-covenantal. It's something that we still do. He talked about adultery. He said, you have heard that it, it is said that you shouldn't commit adultery. I tell you, if you even think of lusting after a woman. He basically what he did is he took the Old Testament and raised the bar. If anything, he didn't lower it, did he? He raised the bar. He said, you know, don't even it's not about sleeping with a girl. It's if you even think about sleeping with a girl or sleeping with a guy. What in the world? We're all in trouble. Hello. Oaths, payback, enemies. Jesus in his entire three years of ministry never changed the tithe. Matter of fact, he took his disciples one time to an offering, a church offering where this widow comes up and she gives just a little bit of money. And he says, hey, that woman right there, see that woman right there? Hey, guys, look, hey, pay attention, Peter. Look, right there. You see that woman over there? She just gave, not because of that she had an overflow, she gave out of her want. He was explaining to them that this, this whole idea of giving to God is still very, very important. Here's what he said in Matthew 23, 23. He said, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herbs, herb gardens, but you ignore the most important aspects of the law. Now, why would Jesus make a statement like that? Because he said, listen, tithing is like way down here in regards to our action as Christians. Like you guys make a big deal about something so small when in reality you're supposed to be really loving people, caring for people, being generous with your heart, your actions, your serving, all of these different things. You, you, you're, you're making a big deal about something that you shouldn't stop doing. It's very important. Matter of fact, he even says, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What was Jesus saying? He was saying this is a cross-covenantal thing. He understood he understood how we handle our money is the single greatest indicator of our hearts with God, our relationship with God. Okay, tithing does affect you financially, but I believe tithing affects your heart more than anything. So let me just give you a couple thoughts and then we'll go home, okay? Matthew six twenty one. Jesus said this. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. More than how tithing affects our money is how it affects our heart. Remember, God is so much more concerned about what is going on inside than outside. He's way more concerned about this. Okay, so this, this is, for me as your pastor, this is where the challenge is coming from me. I want to challenge you about what's going on inside in regards to your view of money. See, the biggest difference between giving in the Old Testament and giving in the New Testament is that giving by the law was motivated by obligation. 
Giving by faith is motivated by love or relationship. So in other words, I don't have to, I get to. I don't have to tithe. I get to tithe. I get to support my local church. I don't have to be a kingdom builder. I get to be a kingdom builder. I don't, I don't, I don't have to serve. See, the motivation is way different now when we step into the new covenant. Why? Because of that's exactly how Jesus treats us. He didn't have to go to the cross. He got to go to the cross. So I get to be a part of God's economic plan. So three things real quickly that tithing does in our heart. Number one is tithing cleans my heart of the idolatry of money. It cleans my heart. It removes the idol of money. It it really deals with this whole aspect of what Jesus says to us. You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve God and mammon. Mammon was the money God of the Babylonians. He he was brought in when they were were exiled with the the Babylonians. This this idea that that finances are our God. And, And this is really where we struggle in America because of our consumer mindset. We treat God like a consumer. We treat, we treat everything like a consumer. But God wants to deal with the idolatry of money, and he does it through the tithe. If you struggle with money, start tithing. It's amazing how God will change your mind when it comes to your finances. If you're not generous, let me tell you, you start tithing, God will make you generous. You'll start liking people you didn't used to like. You start looking at people way differently. You'll start looking at giving way differently. Why? Because in Leviticus 27, it says, and, and all the tithe of the land, it is holy to the Lord. It's, the word holy means to be set apart. So what you're doing is you're setting yourself apart. In other words, when you tithe, God puts a blessing on everything else. Everything. It's the principle of the first. And it works. I'm telling you right now, it works like nobody's business. Whatever you do first, Whatever you do first will determine what happens rest. This is what I'm so proud of all of you for coming to church today. You know why? You gave God your first worship. You gave God Sunday, your first worship. Guess what God's gonna do? Bless the rest. Tomorrow's gonna be better. Tuesday's gonna be way better. And then you just repeat. Every seven days, just come to church. Don't skip church, come to church. Give him your first. You want a good day? Give him the first of your day. Wake up early. Spend time with God. Watch what happens. It's amazing. The framework of your life, the way you see things, how you view life, how you view people, how you view your circumstances totally changes when you've given God your first. Give him your first. Give him the first of your year. Give him the first of your finances. And there's a promise that he'll bless it. There's a blessing. So, when I, take, when I take my tithe and I take that 10% and I pull it out, the first thing that I do, what it does is everything after that is blessed. That's why it's so important not to do it last. It's important to do it first. Because now God's protection is over it. And it no longer is an idol in my life controlling me. Why? Because how we handle money is the single greatest indicator of our relationship with God. Number two, tithing opens my heart to God. It opens my heart to God. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And he says, if I will not do this, try me in this, says God, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Now, when, when, they, when they read this 
They were thinking agriculturally. But for us, it's spiritual. I don't know about you, but I want to live under an open heaven. And so it opens my heart to receive from God. When I tithe, it's the quickest way to open my life to God's voice. I need direction, be generous. I, I, need, I need help, I need, I need destiny, I need to hear God's voice, check my finances. Now, let me just say something, let me say something real quick. Tithing is not a fix-all for poor stewardship. So what I mean by that is if you start tithing today, don't expect all your financial problems to just go away. Because it probably took about 10 years to get where you are. Hello. And just because you tithe one time doesn't mean God's going to fix everything. He's going to remove all my debt and, and I'm going to be in a house debt free. And just because I tithe one time, praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. This is an awesome deal. I want in on this deal. Praise God. Amen. Let's do this, baby. You in? I'm in. My kids will get all straightened out. My car will get paid off. It'll get fixed. By the time I go out in the parking lot, it'll start. Amen. <laughs> That's not true. Wisdom is important. Wisdom is the principal thing. That's why we provide Dave Ramsey and, and all different ways. We have a class that we're going to do in a couple weeks on uh, Tuesday night. It's, it's, what's, what's the date of that? The 16th of November where we're going to help people understand finances. It, but, but it opens my heart to God. Tithing is the key that opens the door and removes the barriers that are necessary. Last one is tithing breaks my consumer mindset. So many look at God as a commodity to be used instead of a person to be loved. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that, that I am not treating my relationship with God as transactional. Maybe you're new to Freedom House Church. Okay, maybe you came today, first time, or you've been coming for a little while. Don't treat church as a commodity to be consumed. Look at it as a relationship to be developed. So don't come in looking at what church can do for you. Look at church on how you can extrap extrapolate your gifts in the flow of the vision. Do you make, you make sense? It's a whole different mindset. See, in our country, we've created this consumer mindset. We go in a store, what can they do for me? We go to a restaurant, what could they do for me? So then we walk in church, what can you do for me? How good was the worship? So we sit back and we go, oh, I didn't like that song. That David guy, he needs some new jeans and, and like, what's up with him and his hair? How did he get it to stand up so tall like that? I mean, seriously, that's what happens. People come in. You know, I'll, I'll come back next week just to see, you know, just to see that pastor. You know, I mean, he, he's kind of strong. I mean, he talks about some stuff and, and, you know, I wonder, I wonder, so we just go from church to church to church. Why? Because we're consuming we got a consumer. Tithing breaks that. It breaks that mindset. Because Christianity is not meant to be transactional. It's meant to be transformational. Our relationship is not a transaction. It's a transformation. God comes down. We release him. That's why the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave. I think there's two ways that you're never more like God. One, when you forgive. 
and two, when you're generous. You're generous. Tithing turns on the spigot of generosity in your life. Tithing is not being generous. Tithing is being obedient. But when you tithe, you turn on the spigot of generosity. And God is able to flow through you to minister to people. So, you may have seen on social media, I'm going to challenge you. Here's my challenge. And we've offered this challenge for years and years and years at Freedom House Church. I want to challenge you. Maybe you're not a tither. You've never tithed before. Maybe you did, kind of slacked off. I want to give you a 90-day tithe challenge. Here's a way to work, okay? You make a decision today, you and your family, that I'm going to tithe. I'm going to do it for 90 days. If you don't see a significant change in your life, transformationally, we'll give it all back to you. you You do it for 90 days, we'll give you everything back. We'll write you a check and give you all the money back. All right, that's the challenge. You know why we do this? Because I trust God so much that if you'll get on his economy, I'm going to tell you right now, it won't take you 90 days, okay? I'm trying to get you into a habit. That's why I do it for 90 days. Usually, two times, they see amazing changes. Not just in their finances, although it can happen, but in their family, in their life, in their kids, in their demeanor, in their mindset, everything changes. Your eyes open, you see God in a whole different way. For God so loved the world that he gave. He loved you so much, guess what he did? Tithed. He gave the firstborn, his only begotten son. He tithed to you. He believed in you so much that he decided to give his best and his first and his only to you. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So stand up on your feet. How do you do that? How do you get involved in being a, get the tithe challenge? On the screen behind me is a, uh, you can go to our website. Nope, not that one, the one before it. That one right there. Just go to freedomhouse.cc slash tithe. And it'll take you through a little couple steps. And why we ask you to do this and make a commitment is because I personally wanna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for any person that decides they wanna be a tither. You, you, just, you want to take that tithe challenge? I get a list of, and every day for 90 days, I pray for you. I have you sitting on my desk, and every, I look at your name. I pray for you. I pray for you. I pray for you. Because I know that if you'll just get this one revelation, your whole life will change. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's so amazing. I mean, I could go around the room right now, and people would raise their hand and say, this is what God did. This is what God did. This is what God did. This is what God did over and over. And that's the same exact testimony that you're going to have. You're going to go, man, God did this in my life. Oh, my gosh, he did this in my life. Oh, my gosh, he did this in my life. He did this in me. This is also our opportunity for you, if you are a tither of this church, if you're a part of this church, for you to become a kingdom builder over the next 30 days, over the next, until November, uh, December the 6th. I want you to pray about your commitment, about being a part of building the vision here at Freedom House Church. Watch God move. It's one level when you tithe, when you start getting involved in offerings, it's a whole nother message. Wow, it's amazing how God just opens the spigot of blessing over your life. Bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here today and maybe you, don't know Jesus. The first step in all this is to receive his son. To receive 
his love to receive the cross. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. It's the first step. Maybe you, maybe you followed him and you fell away and you want to get right with God today. I want to invite you into that relationship. If that's you, if that's you, I want to pray for you. And I want to know who I'm praying for. So if that's you, do something real simple. If you could just raise your hand, you say, this is me. I, I want to get right with God today. I want to make it, I, I want to follow Jesus for the first time. Or maybe I want to rededicate, recommit my life. I thank you, hand in the back, in the front. Thank you so much. Anybody else? I saw a few hands. Let's pray this all together as a church. If you're online, you can pray this prayer too. We'd love to join with you and help you in this, in this incredible journey of a relationship with God. Let's pray this out loud. Everybody together. Ready? Say, say Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Thank you, Father, for giving me your son so that I could be saved, whole, and healed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.